Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Timothy chapter number 2 when we come to this passage the apostle Paul is writing to his young preacher boy Timothy if I can uh, use that terminology amen I believe in our independent fundamental Baptist churches we know uh, what a preacher boy is amen, amen. a young man being trained uh, in the ministry a young man called of God to preach uh, God is putting his hand on him and therefore he comes under the mentorship and the tutelage of a more seasoned preacher. Here, Timothy is that young preacher. Timothy is, um, is that young man that Paul uh, is uh, trying to mentor uh, in the work of God. Timothy has been saved under Paul's ministry. The Bible tells us in uh, his letters uh, that he calls in chapter number 1 and verse number uh, 2 of the book of 2 Timothy, uh, Paul calls Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Not talking about his son physically, but rather a son spiritually. Indicating that Paul was used of God to witness to Timothy and to see him saved. So Timothy was saved under the ministry of of the Apostle Paul, and he began traveling with him as a co-laborer in the ministry, beginning in Acts chapter number 16. Paul would spend the rest of his life investing in this young man's life, teaching him to walk with God and to be God's man. He trained him to win souls. He trained him to preach the truth. And he trained him to pastor God's flock with love overflowing forth from a tender heart. Amen. During the course of their co-laboring in the ministry together, the Apostle Paul would pen two books um, of a uh, written in the form of a personal pastoral letter to Timothy. Those are the books of First and Second Timothy, the second of which we take our text out of this morning. Paul penned the first letter to Timothy in approximately A.D. 65 and this, this second letter the next year in about A.D. 66 which would be the final uh, year of Paul's life before his eventual martyrdom by way of beheading. Second Timothy is written to encourage Timothy to continue on in the good fight of faith. Paul here is trying, as you read and study this chapter, Paul is trying to provoke Timothy to constancy and to perseverance in the work of God. He has just expounded to Timothy. Look at your Bible with me. He has just expounded to Timothy concerning, concerning the suffering that was ahead of him in his ministry for Christ. His ministry was to be, as all ministry is, a battle. Serving God in any capacity, Paul is letting Timothy know, will always be a battle against sin, the flesh, and the devil. Look with me at chapter number 1 real quickly by way of introduction. Notice what he says in verse number 7. He's talking to him about things that he'll need for the ministry. He's reminding him in verse number 3 of how Paul is praying for him. No doubt trying to give him some encouragement there. When it comes to verse number 7, he tells him, and I think this would be a good, a good verse for us to remember during these days, amen. The Bible says, For God 
hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I say amen to that. Why would Paul encourage Timothy that God is not the one that gives a spirit of fear? Can I just say this? And I know this is simple preaching, but it's because most likely it's because Timothy was fearful. Wouldn't you think? Amen. Why would we need an encouragement not to be uh, fear and to fearful and to know that fear does not come from God? It's because Timothy was fearful. He says in verse number 8, be not, therefore, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And it goes on in that passage describing, Paul said, I'm writing this final letter to you from a prison. I'm writing this letter in bonds and you and I know that after the, after the fourth chapter, the final chapter of this book, Paul would lay down his life as a martyr of the faith, sealing his faith in his own blood and losing his head for the cause of Christ and the ministry of the gospel. Paul here is writing to this young man who, as he looks at what ministry has brought the apostle Paul, as he's watched what God has allowed to come uh, by way of battles and struggles and trials in the ministry. Timothy has been privy to that. Timothy has viewed that. And now his beloved mentor is in bondage with no hope of ever getting out, being put in prison by the most, most ruthful dictator of his day, the Roman Emperor Nero. And Nero was a mad man. And Nero was an insane man. And he was a violent, wicked human being. He had at times taken Christians that he had arrested and he had beheaded them and he would use their heads on sticks to light his personal garden. Every time he walked out into his place of relaxation, it would literally be lit, lit, lit with the faces of martyred believers. Timothy here is watching his uh, mentor, his faithful man of God, his pastor, if you will, being put in prison and no doubt awaiting the same fate. And here Timothy comes and he's following in the footsteps of Paul and he's in the early days of his ministry and he knows if he stays with God, that is destined for him. Yep. Very possibly. That's right. Paul tells him, do not be fearful. Do not be ashamed. And he calls it of the testimony of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me say this. There will be times, and I wasn't planning on preaching this this morning, but it's, it, it's here in the text. We're seeing in our nation these liberties in the United States of America starting to look a little bit more like Rome every single day. Amen. There's mayors in our country there are governors in our country that are starting to look more like Nero than ever before. That's right. Amen. Yes, I have a friend of mine on Facebook that recently made the news because the, the police showed up to his church while they were having a drive-in service. All the members in their cars, windows rolled up. And they, say, they said, you cannot meet for church. 
in a video that he shared of them coming on the, the church property. The police officer, he actually said, the, the pastor who is my friend said, he, he said that, uh, he told the police officer, this is our freedom. This is our First Amendment right to worship and gather. And the police said, whenever the government says your freedom can be, re be revoked, it can be. And by the way, that's not in a Democrat state either. It's in a Republican-led state. Can I say this this morning? If you and I need to come. And this isn't the message, but it is a message for this hour. Amen. We need to come to the place to where if that is us, here, here's what that police officer said. That police officer said, any members that come on this property that say they still want to have church, we'll find them. But we'll be kind enough to them to give them the opportunity to leave and not worship and they'll fortify them. I wonder how many, I wonder how many of us at Beacon Baptist Church would have put our cars in reverse and drove to the house. Timothy was willing to give his life. Paul was willing to give his life. And Paul encouraged this young man. He said, I'm in bonds as a, not a prisoner of Rome, not a prisoner of Nero, but I'm in bonds as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. God put me here. God wanted me here. And God has put us in a generation where we could be a prisoner of the Lord. We could be fine for the glory of God. And Paul told Timothy, don't don't you ever be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm glad there's some that are standing. Amen. That's encouragement to me that we must stand for the cause of Christ. But what, what I'm saying to you is this morning in this context we find that Paul is telling Timothy about the battles that come in the ministry. You see that even more displayed in chapter number 2. When we begin our reading this morning, many of y'all probably thought, what does that have to do with the resurrection? Amen. Be strong in the Lord, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, uh, but that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The Bible talks there about soldiering for the Lord, fighting for the Lord, being involved in the battle, being involved in the warfare. Paul is letting this young preacher know that the ministry is not for boys. The ministry is for men. Amen. Amen. The ministry is not for a half-hearted Christian, but it has to be for someone that is sold out to the Lord. Amen. Ministry is not all. And I'm not talking about a preaching ministry either. If you're saved by the grace of God, you ought to have a ministry for the Lord Jesus right. Christ. Amen. Right. Amen. And it will not be easy to serve the Lord. There will be difficulties. There will be adversaries. There will be uh, the opposing forces of the world that wants to stop what we're doing for God. And Paul tells Timothy that in the midst of it all, you keep on fighting. You endure the hardness. You put up with it. You strong arm of the hardness in your way. Amen. And you endure it. Why? That you may please Him who hath chosen you to be a soldier. Can I remind you that if you're saved by the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, the captain of the Lord of hosts, has picked His army and He has hand-selected every member. 
of his army. And that means he's chosen you if you're saved. He's talking to him about the ministry being in battle and every day we encounter more of these battles and these struggles but in the midst of this language of warfare, in the midst of these words and with the language exploding off of the page of war, we find verse number 8 tucked into the middle of a series of very practical lessons from a spiritual mentor to his pupil in the faith, Paul to Timothy. Notice what he says. He gives these words about being strong and about enduring hardness. He says in verse 7, Consider what I say, give mind to it, meditate upon it, and the Lord will give thee understanding in all things. He says, if you'll just consider what I say, if you'll think about it, and I believe even implied, if you'll put it into practice, you may not understand it now, you may not have a full grasp of it now, but one day God will give you the understanding. And here, after he tells him to be strong, after he tells him to endure hardness, after he tells him to consider what he says, in the midst of the battle that serving Jesus will bring, he brings up the resurrection. Amen. Notice what he says, verse number 8. And we'll spend the rest of the time we have in verse number 8 uh, breaking this verse down and noticing what it says. He says, remember, when you're enduring hardness, when the ministry has become tough and difficult and you do not know how you're going to bear under the load, he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. You know, and what's interesting is, is verse number eight is not even the entirety of the fault. It ends there with that colon and continues throughout the end of verse number nine where he says, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Amen. Here's what Paul is saying. He says, I'm being treated because of the gospel as if I've done something wrong for preaching the gospel. And that's coming to the day the day now we're living. It's coming to our churches. Amen. Amen. That they'll look at us for preaching the gospel as if we're doing something wrong. There's a lost world out there that says what we're doing this morning is wrong simply because there's just a handful of people here this morning. That's right. Amen. If, if, if in some areas in this nation, if the police will show up to a church because they're having service with a preacher preaching into a microphone to a congregation of people in their cars with the windows rolled up, don't you think they won't try to haul all of us out of here this morning? That's right. Amen. And let me tell you, I don't care if they talk about the social distancing. I don't care if they talk about all the measures that we have to have and we're implementing them because we care about the safety of our members. But I'll say this, if they'll do this, the next stepping stone is causing us to have to cut that camera off That's right. and never broadcast to the world. You keep your faith silent. You keep what you believe to yourself and never share it with anybody. But here in the midst of Paul's uh, being cast in prison as he sits 
in a prison cell, he says, what gives me hope and what gives me encouragement and what helps me keep on keeping on and keeping a smile on my face, knowing that God is in control, is that I have something that I can remember in the midst of the discouraging days, in the midst of the battle. Can I say this? The day we're living in is as dark as it's ever been and as wicked as it's ever been and sin abounds on every hand. But can I say, as dark as it gets, this morning we're celebrating something and we're worshiping Jesus for something that'll never let us down. And no matter how dark it gets, and no matter how sad it gets, and no matter how discouraging it gets, the child of God can always have hope. The child of God can always have a smile on our face. And that is that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised again from the dead according to the gospel. Amen. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is all we need in difficult days, in discouraging days, in days where you and I would be tempted to quit. It's all we need for God to give us encouragement. Out of this verse this morning, I want to preach on the simple thought. And to be honest with you, this is not uh, very creative, but the words are found in our text. He said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. According to my gospel, I, I, I saw the word remember there and the word raised there. I had two alliterated points already. So I took Jesus Christ and changed it to the word Redeemer. And I want to preach on remembering the Redeemer's resurrection. Amen. Amen. Remembering the Redeemer's resurrection. Notice as we look at this passage and we, uh, we try to remember the Redeemer's resurrection and try to allow that resurrection to give us hope and encouragement in the days that we live in. Notice that he begins in the verse, in verse number 8, mentioning, uh, number 1, that there is a remembrance to be had. There is a remembrance to be had. Verse number 8, he says, remember. I don't think I have to spend much time explaining what that simple word, remember, means. Amen. He said to remember. There's something that you and I can remember that will encourage us. Let me ask you this. Uh, when was the last time or have you ever taken the time to consider what verse 8 is truly telling us? Have you ever taken the time to realize that in verse number 8, as you read through 2 Timothy, and I hope you've done that, uh, amen, in your Bible reading. I hope you read through your Bible, amen. But as you read through 2 Timothy, did we just blow by this verse and just say, thank God for the resurrection and move on? Or, or take time to notice that what verse 8 is telling us, literally, it is saying that if we will just recall what the meaning of today is all about, if we will just recall the resurrection of the Lord Jesus to our mind, uh, uh, we can be victorious in our battles and get through the darkest and most difficult days of our life. If we will simply remember what happened 2,000 years ago, just consider in your mind something that God did way back in the past that still affects and blesses us today. We're here today, this morning, worshiping because Jesus did something for us that 2,000 years later, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ still can't get over. Amen. 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 I'm glad that I'm not over 
the resurrection. I'm glad that Resurrection Sunday morning still means something to me Amen. and blesses me. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that I can come into the house of God on Sunday morning and worship a risen Savior even though on Easter Sunday morning. Amen. I'm glad in the middle of January I can worship a risen Amen. Savior. Amen. I'm glad in February. I'm glad in March and April and throughout the rest of the year I can worship a risen Savior today. Amen. Amen. Notice he says that when we feel like quitting, we can remember Resurrection Day. When you feel like giving up and throwing in the towel, can I say just remember Resurrection Day? Amen. When you feel like running from God's plan for your life, remember Resurrection Day. When you want to lay down your Bible and quit being on the offensive for God and the work of God, just remember Resurrection Day. Amen. You think about what was going on in Acts chapter number 4 and Acts chapter number 5. In Acts chapter number 4, you find what is known as the first persecution of the church after the day of Pentecost. And then Acts chapter number 5, you find the uh, you find Peter and the, the, the church of the Lord being persecuted again. And they commanded them, don't preach in the name of Jesus. Don't mention His name anymore. And in chapter number 5, we find what used to just be words of threatenings against the uh, turned into beatings and abuse and uh, and and a desire uh, to put them to death just simply for mentioning the name of Jesus. Their ministry, uh, they were persecuted and, and they were being threatened and had the possibility of their lives being taken. But yet, what calls after the threatenings of the first persecution, what calls there, I was amazed by this in my study, that there was a second persecution. Just one chapter later, if it had been most of us, if we'd been threatened, we would never mention his name again. We might whisper his name in church, but we'd never mention his name in public. Say, I don't want to be threatened again. They might make good on their promise. Amen. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying every Christian is like that, but I'll say I'm sad to say most of them are. Amen. You're right. That's just the truth. I'm just being real with you this morning. That's I, 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 I am I am. I am burdened about our church and about the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ during all of this seeing faithlessness and seeing carnality and, and, and seemingly uh, no, uh, no hope in God. I'm amazed that Christians are there. Amen. You think if, if a possibility of sickness will get you there and, and, and losing your job or missing out on work will cause you to get there and just uh, get you to the place to where uh, you know, you're willing to... I mean, there's churches that are just canceling altogether because the government says to. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I'm not saying be disobedient, but there does come a point. Amen. Yeah. If they say socially distance, they say do live stream, that's okay, or drive-in service or whatever, you do that for a, for a, a temporary period of time. Uh, but once you start getting into cutting, ch shutting churches down and trying to find the members for trying to worship the Lord, and you, tur you, turn, into a, you turn into a governmental Gestapo instead of a police force, I have a problem with that. And that's when you come in and say, we ought to obey God rather than man. By the way, they made that statement when they were being persecuted right after the day of Pentecost. When you get filled with the Spirit of God, you'll have boldness in days of persecution. And here's why you have boldness. Here's why they had confidence. In the first persecution, they constantly mention and preach about a risen Savior. Amen. Second persecution, same thing. 
when they were threatened with being beating and they were threatened with the loss of their life, they, they said, and I'm paraphrasing, you can do what you want to do, but I serve a God in heaven that's alive and well, and I'm, I'm going to obey Him rather than man. Amen. It's the resurrection that gave them that confidence. It's the resurrection that causes us to push forward and to have confidence in God because we realize that He's not dead and we're not by ourselves. But we don't have to worry about what this world has. Uh, you know, I said it before, uh, I believe it was a couple of weeks and nights ago, quoted the verse in Romans that says, If God be for us, who can be against us? The resurrection gives us that confidence. Because the resurrection brings the possibility of our salvation. With salvation, we have the favor of God in His family. If God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. I thank God God's for us this morning. He's for worship. Amen. He, he's for us having confidence in Him. He tells us here that we can remember the resurrection. It can give us boldness. It can uh, It can give us confidence. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus means that if, if Jesus can die and be raised from the dead, then there is nothing that, that He cannot do for me. He's alive and well. He's attentive under my circumstances. So we see that there is a remembrance to be had. Let me give you the second one this morning. Not only is there a remembrance to be had, number two, I'll say this, I, I believe there is a redeemer to be heralded. Notice verse number eight again. He said, remember, then he says this, that Jesus Christ of the seed of David. He gives us there in that verse three different descriptions of who our redeemer is. He calls him Jesus he calls him Christ, and he says that he is of the seed of David. Paul here is not only mentioning a remembrance to be had, but he tells us about a redeemer to be heralded. Notice what he says as we consider the redeemer, and that what and what he describes is part of what we are to remember and gain confidence and strength from in the battles of life. Notice what he says, first component of the Redeemer, the name of our Redeemer that He gives is, all, is the beloved name, Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for the name Jesus. This Amen. 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 I, I, I echo the words of Gloria Gaither. I don't think there, I, there, is, there is no name like the name. There's something special about that name. Amen. Amen. And, I, and I agree with that this morning. You just hear the name Jesus. You, you, you hear His name or speak His name. And if you're a child of God, there's something in you that goes, whoop, glory. Amen. 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 Jesus. The name Jesus means Savior. In Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 21, the Bible says the angel told Mary, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Jesus was the name given to him at his birth at Bethlehem. It is a name that represents to us his humanity and the purpose of, of his humanity. In Matthew 1 21, where the angel told Mary, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. She was talking about a human child in her hand. Yes, he was 100% God. He was 100% divine. But he was also 100% man. You know that Jesus was the only 200% being to ever live? 100% man, 100% God. Amen. Amen. But the name Jesus. 
identifies for us the human uh, the human uh, baby boy born in a manger, given a name as every other baby child has ever been given in this world. It represents His humanity and the purpose of His humanity. You say, preacher, why do you say the purpose of His humanity? Because that name Jesus was given to Him because the name Jesus means Savior. The reason why Jesus was put in a human body of flesh wasn't just to be born in the world and it wasn't just to be a human child, but what He was coming to be the Savior. Amen. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. His purpose in existence was to seek out and to save the lost. Matthew 9.13 says, But go ye and learn what the, that meaneth. He said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Notice this. Here's what he says. He says, For I am not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. Amen. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came uh, to, uh, to call the, the sinners to repentance. John 9, 39 says, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which, which uh, see not might see, that they which, and that they which see might be made blind. You see there in John chapter number 9, there's a very famous passage, a very famous miracle of the Lord. And that is where Jesus heals a man that had been born blind. This man in John chapter number 9 was not a man that had blindness to an injury or eventually developed blindness as some that are recorded in the gospel. This man was born blind. This man had never known sight. And can I say this this morning as we look at that miracle of a man born blind, I can't help but see myself in sin. I can't help but see you and I lost and undone, born blind, born without spiritual sight. And thank God we serve a Savior who is a miracle working God, a miracle working Son of God, who is able uh, to touch blinded eyes, touch individuals blind from birth and give them sight. Yeah, I'm going to turn there in John chapter number 9. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. This man that is born blind, uh, the Bible says in verse number 10, he says, Therefore said they unto him, How were thy... I'm just going to rejoice a minute. Amen. Amen. He said, How? Uh, well, the crowd asked, How were thine eyes opened? Here's what he said. He answered and said, I love this phrase. I remember being a young preacher boy just a teenage preacher. I, ha I still have the outline. I preached on this phrase where he said, a man that is called Jesus, hallelujah, made clay Amen. and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Can I say this man had been born blind just as you and I are born spiritually blind and he received his sight because of a man that bore the name that is mentioned in our text. He said a man that is called Jesus touched my blinded eyes and gave me sight. Amen. Amen. I like what he goes on to say after he said those words the crowd began to uh, began to interrogate him. Uh, began to these Pharisees trying to get him uh, to 
condemn Jesus. They wanted Jesus and they wanted to condemn him. So they're trying to get him to say things and to incriminate him. And he said, this blind man said, all I know is that a man made Jesus made clay and gave me sight. I like what he said in verse, in verse number 24. They're trying to trick him. These religious rulers are trying to trick him. He, this is what they said. And I, be, I believe that it's a shame that someone that called themselves religious would use religious terminology to try to lie and be deceptive. Here's what they said. The Bible said that again, called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man, they're speaking about Jesus, is a sinner. Number one, let me say this. They didn't know as much as they thought they knew. They're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Because they say give glory to God. They say we know this man's a sinner. If they were truly wanting to give God glory, they wouldn't be calling Jesus a sinner. They would be directing their glory to Him. He's God manifesting the flesh. But they say, you give God the glory. You tell us what happened. And you telling us religious leaders, it'll give glory to God. That sounds a lot like the Catholic Church to me. You, you, tell, you tell me your sins and God's going God's gonna to work especially uh, uh, bountifully on your behalf because you do this for us. I love this blind man's answer. And I believe that this is our answer this morning as we rejoice in the name of our Savior that is risen today. He says, and he answered, by the way, our text says, if you'll remember that he is Jesus you can get through any difficulty if you'll remember Jesus. Here's what he said. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Amen. There's something about Jesus that changed it all for me. You can say what you want to about Him. I was blind and I didn't know anything. But the one thing I know that reminded me, that reminds me of the day that I got saved. I'll tell you, when I got saved, I didn't know much about the Lord. But there was one thing that I knew. That a man called Jesus touched my eyes. I was blind. But hallelujah to God, now I see. Amen. Amen. Here he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised again according to my gospel. John 10, 10 says the thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus came in the world to save sinners, to give life, to give spiritual sight, to give salvation to those that do not did not have it. John 12, 46, Jesus said, I am come. I came in the world as Jesus, as the Savior. I came in the world, a, he said, I, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. Can I remind you this morning that as we think about Jesus, that He is the one that, that you and I, when we are uh, when we were in spiritual darkness, came into this world as a light that lighteth every man that entereth into the world. He came as a light of the world, and He's given us light in spiritual darkness. Amen. Let me tell you, when it gets tough serving Jesus, 
When it gets hard in the ministry, when you're doing your best to give God your give God your all, and it seems like in return for your faithfulness, all you get is another difficult situation. Can I remind you that if you'll just remember this morning that Jesus is Jesus, that He is the Savior. That no matter what you're going through, you once were blind, but now you see. You once had no life, but now you have life, and you have it more abundantly. You once were in darkness, but now God has allowed you to have great light. Amen. And can I say, it doesn't matter what the world brings. Those simple truths are all that we need to get a smile on our face and a pep in our step and to give honor and glory Amen. to the Son of God this morning. Amen. And I'm going to stop preaching with this thought. We'll pick it up here tonight. But let me say this. When it comes to that name, that name of Jesus of Nazareth, that man that lived 2,000 years ago that all of those verses are talking about, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, that, that, the, the effects of that name didn't stop in Palestine 2,000 years ago. That's right. You know, in that day, they said the name Jesus, and there was a whole crowd of people that wanted to kill him. That's why they were wanting to convince that blind man to criticize him and condemn him. To give all, everywhere these Pharisees went. Anytime they heard about Jesus, anytime there was a testimony about Jesus, anytime they heard about Jesus being anywhere, teaching anything, they would go to those people and they'd ask them or they would go to one of the disciples and they'd go to Jesus himself and try to get him to fall or to contradict the law or say something they could kill him for. That's right. They hated Jesus. But today, just as in that world, you still have a crowd that hates Him. But in that day, there was also some disciples. There was also some people that followed Him. There was also some people that loved Him. There were some ladies that would hang around the cross and loved on, loved on their Savior. They loved Him so much that the Bible says in Luke 24 that they came early in the morning. One gospel writer said they came at the breaking of the day. So one uh, John said He came. They came at the rising of the sun, not the men. I'm amazed by that. But the ladies came. They were willing to bear the reproach of Jesus Christ. They came early in the morning because they loved Him and because He was their first priority instead of their last decision as in many of us in this day. And they came early to love on Him. There were some that hated Him. There were some that loved Him. And in this day it's still the same. But guess what? We still have the name of Jesus. You and I can still share that name. Amen. And the power that He had on that day, on those days, the power that He has now. You and I don't have to worry about a dead Jesus. We have a risen Jesus. Amen. And we'll talk about Christ and we'll talk about the Son of David here later on this evening. But let me just remind you, when you think about the name Jesus, we're talking about a Savior. We're talking about a name that means Savior. Someone that's going to save some people from their sin. Someone that was the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. And Jesus, because he rose from the dead has the power still today to be the Savior. Amen. Amen. We have no reason to be down in the dumps. You and I as the children of God should be the happiest most excited, most hope-filled, most confident people in this world. You and I have no reason to bellyache or complain because there still sits on the right hand of the Father in heaven a man who's still a God-man, a sovereign Son of God that still today bears 
the name of Jesus Christ. And that's all we need this morning. Amen. As we remember the Redeemer's resurrection, let's not forget that He is Jesus and He's the Savior. Bless His name. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh,